Oh, we got a mean motor scooter and a mean humdinger and a bad motor scooter for you today on the program. Tony Basilio welcome you into another It's a Wednesday edition. Doc Sinclair's in the house today. Brian Hartman playing something mournful for his uh, Boston Celtics. Hey, Brian, don't give up yet. You're playing the Sixers. Team choke a lot. Don't give up on us, baby. I wouldn't give up just yet, Brian, if I were you. You're playing Team Choke a lot. Your thoughts, Brian, on the Celtics' performance last night against my 76ers? It was so great that I turned on the, I turned it off and put on the SEC softball tournament. That's how I thought about the performance of the Celtics last night. If they don't want to show up, then neither do I. That was really – I mean, if I'm a Celtics fan, that was a sickening. Letting that Sixer team, who really you guys should have swept in four games – you're now on the path of path of elimination, Brian. You know what is stunning to me is the Celtics are still a, like a two-point favorite in game six on the road. They should be. They're better. They're better, Bri. The Celtics have a better team, Bri. At any rate, John G. Boy Bryce is going to join us coming up. Sean Sinclair in the mix and in the hunt. Cinco, are we excited today to talk to Johnny Boy Bryce? Having some issues, having some issues connecting with Cinco, Tone. So we'll try to fix this. All right. Perhaps I need to come in there and fix that. Fix that. As we come back, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to connect with the great John Bryce. We're going to break it down scientifically with you. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Very little time to get there. And uh, kadoos to last night's umpiring crew from jim peters over at tld logistics caduce to those guys for making a game that should have taken a couple hours to play that thing felt like a like a like a toothache like a throbbing toothache that's what that game was like last night i do have cinco now a throbbing toothache is what last night's game was like sean sinclair you've had a throbbing toothache was last night's baseball game those umpires constantly getting in the way, the fake ejection, just the whole scene, the whole thing, Cinco. What an interminable baseball game that was last night. Well, luckily I've never had a throbbing toothache, but I've certainly, oh. I've certainly been around thousands that have over the past 25 years. But, uh, yeah, um, big, big, big series this weekend, my man, big series this weekend. Uh, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. John Bryce is going to join us. Uh, we've got to talk about what's going on up at Iowa. And then I want to get his thoughts on Tennessee, the early returns from Vegas, the thoughts on Josh Heupel around the coaching community, and just the just John's level of of surprise at what's going on here in Knoxville. Tennessee is winning on the recruiting trail. Sean, they got a really good defensive lineman the other day out of Missouri. I see where Missouri has up their game. They're now going to allow NIL in the high school ranks, which, uh, hey, h- how long have people been paying high school players to play football or moving their parents around or whatever it is? How long, Sean's that been going on, you think? Since there's been college football, I would imagine. Yep. People have been moving parents around and moving them into districts and 
So now we're going to have NIL in, high, in the high school ranks. It's legal out in California. Missouri's joining the party. Should Tennessee join the party? Uh, and then I got a couple other issues I want to talk to you about as well. But we've got a ton ahead. We're going to come back on the other side. John Bryce joins the Chow. Brian Hartman licking his bumps, and I still don't believe in my team at one last night. So t- tell me something I don't know. More after this. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. 
The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. you got to know Spend a very special evening with The Gambler. The timeless music of Kenny Rogers, performed by Justin Sullivan and his seven-piece Real Deal Band. Many have said this is the best tribute show of its kind. Hear all your Kenny Rogers favorites. Lucille, Lady, She Believes in Me, Coward of the County. Saturday, May 20th, 7 p.m. at the legendary Crockett Theater in Lawrenceburg. Tickets begin at only $16. Yes, an evening with the gambler and the Real Deal Band. Saturday evening, May 20th at 7. For more information, log on to CrockettTheater.com. CrockettTheater.com. We'll see you there. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. T to the B! Welcoming you back on a Wednesday. Dr. Sean Sinclair is here. And a man who uh, who, who r- breaks stories, shakes the lakes, rocks the docks. We link to his work today up at uh, tclub.team. His latest regarding kind of a chilling story out of Iowa, and John Bryce is going to do uh, is joining us today. FootballScoop.com. The sub uh, title of his latest more than 100 current former Iowa Iowa State athletes at the center of a state gambling probe. The open investigation examining more than 100 people at the state's two highest-profile athletic programs, a story that is, uh, I'd say, reverberating through college athletics would be a, would, would be a rather uh, tepid way of putting it. John Bryce, I welcome you in. Always good to have you right here in the house. Welcome home, brother. How you doing? 
I'm great, Tony. Appreciate the chance to uh, visit, and uh, glad to have Cinco on the airwaves with us this morning as well. Yeah, he will. He will try not to drag this segment down. John Bryce, <laughs> how significant, in your humble opinion, are the developments of the last couple of weeks regarding the Brad Bohannon situation out of nowhere at Alabama, and now this story, which when you published it the other day and furthered the story as you did with your reportage. Uh, has sent shockwaves through the sport. I think that, um, Tony, it's very significant simply because uh, yesterday after we published the story unsolicited, I heard from multiple coaches who indicated, uh, one of them said, bro, you have no idea how much this is happening, and um, made it clear that he didn't think athletes on campuses were gambling on themselves or gambling on their teams, but just made it clear it's a, it's a very common almost everyday way of life on college campuses among he, he guesstimated on, on one of his teams 50 percent he felt were active gambling uh with online wagering sports books you name it and so i think uh i heard from other people at, at state government level that believe uh it's very much just the the tip of the spear so to speak that it's incredibly widespread um i don't think that the Iowa Iowa State situation is very similar to the one at Alabama. The Alabama one it certainly seems to involve um, revealing proprietary insider information, um, whereas Iowa Iowa State seems to be centered more on just student athletes gambling on NCAA sports. But uh, both are highly uh, illegal as it pertains to the NCAA rulebook. Yeah, and as we were talking yesterday, it's. It's almost like the NCAA with a lot of things is behind the eight ball in these deals. I don't know how you prepare for this. I, I guess, Sean, going back to your days as a trainer, information has always mattered, right? And, and back then, millions of dollars were wagered when the Vols would play like a Notre Dame or an Alabama or an Auburn. It's just it was it was done in the margins, in the catacombs. But people always wanted that information. Um Sean, back in the day, do you think athletes gambled back then the way they do now, or do you think the advent of the telephone and having that right in your hand has been sort of a game changer? What, what's your What's your sense of this, Sean? A couple things. Uh, first of all, I was I was smart enough to be a trainer. I was a manager, so I I'm sorry, a manager. Know. Yeah, that's sorry, okay. No it's okay. They were the smarties. But anyway, you know, back then, so you're talking uh, late '80s. Um, you could go any fraternity house or anywhere and they would sell those uh, i mean you could use those parlay sheets i guess um and i i never i've never been directly involved with a bookie i mean i'd never met one or knew of one but uh and and i was a horrible gambler i i, I lost once and said that's it um but you know they, you're saying about inside information tim karen the late great tim karen made it abundantly clear that if you um, were caught or any even a, a hint that you were providing any kind of information to media um, well there wasn't all this other stuff but just media or you know people on the outskirts of this thing you're fired your scholarship was gone you were done and you, you didn't have to prove a case it was just that it was that cut and dry clear um, I don't think I don't think gambling was a. I may be naive, but I just didn't hear about it uh, from the football players 
uh, that I was around. I would I would think now with uh, legalized offshore betting, um, you know, phones, all that stuff. I I don't see how you could stop them. But it, I will say this: it is absolutely taught and absolutely um, hammered into athletes' heads whether or not it's legal uh, that you are not to be gambling. Uh, when you are playing college sports, so you, you know, there can yeah. be, there absolutely can be no ignorance. It's in, it's posted in every locker room uh, of every sport, men's and women's. John, I was thinking about John Bryce joins, and he's got a great story up at FootballScoop.com regarding this Iowa deal. If you want to know more about it, it's way more than a hundred. It's like 137 athletes he reports are being looked into in all sorts of sports so everybody thought well god this is just a baseball thing because initially friday that's what we thought or over the weekend when this thing first popped up oh it's just iowa baseball no 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 no, no. it's across the board john i i remember seeing um charles barkley who candidly says things that nobody else will say and gets away with it but he was talking about his extravagant gambling and how he can sit down in a night and lose a couple hundred thousand dollars. And he says, look, I am a competitive person who my competitiveness drove me to high heights in my sport. You know, I was six foot nothing. I'm a Hall of Fame basketball player. And I'm that way when it comes to my gambling. I'm competitive. And I have trouble walking away. Michael Jordan, same way, hyper-competitive people. Point is, I don't think as as... The sporting public, we should be surprised that athletes get a thrill out of gambling because many of these people are wired wired a little differently uh, than the rest of us in terms of the want to compete. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you make a great point. I do think that it becomes uh, about competing and about believing um, you're better than the next person, whether that's on the playing surface or whether that's gambling, you're going to feel like your knowledge and your skill set gives you an edge. So I, I think there's absolutely some some merit to that. I think that um, some of the most competitive gamblers are, are the ones who have had the problems are are the ones that have seen that competitiveness bleed, bleed over into uh, a compulsion or an addiction that they couldn't contain. Uh, and to the other point uh, about the prevalence today versus years ago, I just think, um, again, you can bet from an app on your phone. Here's another thing that I, I believe is an important distinction as this continues to mushroom around the sport, and that is you've got schools and universities around the country who are partnering themselves with casinos. So at the same time you're hosting these in-services and these NCAA compliance meetings, hammering home, hey, you can't gamble, um, now go get rehab in the Caesars Palace Whirlpool um, and, and Therapy Center. That, that's the world that we're in right now in college athletics. And um, it's at the tip of a finger uh, on your phone, on an app. I believe it's now 34 states that allow various forms of wow. legalized wagering, sports wagering. I couldn't believe when I dove in to the numbers of the Iowa Gaming Commission and poured through their 2023 fiscal year report i couldn't believe the tens of millions of dollars being bet throughout that state and and one of the casinos i believe already reflected 50 million in net revenue net revenue for fiscal year 23 which i just found absolutely amazing so again it's at the fingertips and um, the example i've used is 
what if you're an Iowa basketball player in, in getting rehab on a knee uh, on a Tuesday night because you've got a Wednesday game and you're trying to play, um, but next to you is Caitlin Clark getting rehab on an ankle yeah. for her game, next, and you know she's not going to play. Maybe you're friends and you're talking to her, and you know she's not going to play. That's the type of information that I think um, almost has zero way of, of being legislated. One thing the Big Ten has, has come really close to doing and talked about doing is having mandatory injury reports, especially in football. And let's not pretend that the, the NFL has such strict injury reporting policies because it doesn't want gamesmanship among its coaches. It has everything to do with yep. the NFL's cozy relationship with Vegas and the legalized yep. gambling. Yep. Didn't there wasn't there once a basketball player in Iowa by the last that had the last name of Gamble years yeah. ago? <laughs> you might be right, Brian. I, I can't remember. Um, the, there's a good chance you're right. I Come on, Bryce, do your research. You should know that you should be able to go back into the '80s and and talk about and, Roy Marble, Sir Jamalot. I think he did play with a guy named Gamble back then. There was a Gamble. I'm pretty sure. Let's go back here. Sean has uh, a question. All right, before we get to Cinco, I, I want to go back um, and talk about one thing that you just discussed, which was now I can't remember because Brian just tripped my Brian just tripped my wire as he's prone to do from time to time. You were talking about the the information and the amount of money gambled and just the free flow of information. Another thing I'm convinced goes on is I'm convinced these athletes have friends that proxy bet for them. Like, hey, I know that. This team we're preparing for this week has such and such issues, and we were going to run this play, and so-and-so is really healthy and motivated this week and lay down some large action on us. Or to your point, I know that our star wide receivers, both of them, have been inhibited, injured, uh, can't go this week, but nobody in the press knows it because they do play with these injury reports. And, and you know, you know, John, you, you make a great point. In the NFL, they cut all that BS out. You have you have a certain day of the week where you got to get it all in, and if you play around, they'll fine you, suspend you, take draft picks away from you if you play around with that stuff. Uh, and so, college ball, the coaches have all the power in college football, and to some extent in college basketball. Uh, I just don't see those guys surrendering that power, John, but you're right. I mean, my concern for college sports is people have to know that what they're looking at is a fair and square competition and is not being compromised. And I think college sports are going to have to get their hands around this to assure the betting public. Yeah, I I think that um, with it being legal now in 34 states or whatever it is, the, the belief was there would be more transparency and that there would be a better way to regulate it because in a lot of ways um, this has been unregulated through the years, very much like NIL or recruiting or whatever. I, I do believe there are some uh, correlations between these elements. And But to your point, Tony, yeah, these coaches um, are famously ironed with their grips around the information they want leaking into or out of their programs, and that's why it was uh, stunning when the Big Ten made the move to have these injury reports and to make them uh, be expected to be forthright and, mm. and to have participation from the football coaches. I joke that, that all coaches, but especially college football coaches, have three characteristics above any and all. It's competitiveness, it's a desire for control, and it's paranoia. And um, all three of those are at play in this. 
Well, you know, and you know what makes great sense to me? You're talking about the Big Ten. The Southeastern Conference should follow suit, and then I'll go to Sean. Sean teeing you up. But the point is they say that the Southeastern Conference and the Big Ten, the Big Ten grabbing USC and UCLA, and the Southeastern Conference grabbing Oklahoma, Texas, along with what they already have, are the two closest things to the NFL. So why wouldn't they comport themselves like the NFL? It's all about college football anyway. So why wouldn't you publish a uh, an injury report on a Wednesday, which is what ought to happen? Let's get uh, Sean Sinclair in here. So kudos to the Big Ten for, in fact, moving in that direction. Go ahead, Sean. I'd like to be clear that I don't, and I want everyone else to um, hear this, I don't believe that the average college athlete is doing anything nefarious. I don't believe, I believe these these kids want to win. I believe they are incredibly competitive. And but what just like just like you in times of old, anybody can get compromised. Uh, I don't I don't believe a a college player is you know there may be a couple, but I don't think they uh, would rat out their team or sell out Judas style or anything like that. I I think it's just like you know you get a runner, you get some friends. Next thing you know, you're compromised. Heck, politicians are, and then you get yourself in a bind. And then all of a sudden you, you know, you, you start sharing information because you don't want to be exposed. Now, now, with that being said, I, I would really, I really find it interesting because the, the thought is always that it's the player, but the coach, any coach has direct, a player can't affect the game that much without it being obvious, but a coach can. Oh. And I, and I think it's, I think it's extremely interesting that, we always talk about Pete Rose, or we always talk about this or that. It would be so easy for a coach to mention something or to have a direct hand in something. You know, like um, you know, for the longest time, I I truly believe that coaches go, and I'm not going to say names, but I truly believe that coaches know um, uh, point spreads and will throw it into the end zone uh, to appease their boots. Oh yeah, Sean. Oh yes, that happens. Yes, it does. That's a good point, Sean, which is really an interesting thing. You see, a, you see a coach kick a field goal late, which is weak, but they're covering a spread for their fan base. Because as Bino says, nobody wants to bet against their team. So if you pull a line, that's a really good point Sean has. Um, and there might be pressure on these college guys because they're so, what's the term? Uh, they're so accountable to boosters, whereas in the pro ranks, you don't care about your fans. If you cover a spread, you cover a spread. If you don't cover a spread, you don't cover a spread. But in college ball, Sean, those four or five deep-pocketed guys that might bet a couple hundred grand on you a week, you damn right you want to keep those people happy. That's a good point, Sean. Well, unless you're Jeremy Pruitt and you, you talk at the golf courses to your boosters about how you're going to blow out. West um, Virginia. Uh, you know, the opening games, and they, and they absolutely <laughs> lose their heinies. Uh, in, but, the, in look, the sports books, but hey, Brycey, when you dug, and you found that it was in the one thirties is the number, right? Yeah, these are guys from all sports. How long does the probe date back? What what dispensation are we talking about here? It, it's not it's not a deep probe. Um, that's that's the thing. It's only been legal in Iowa in, in the last few years. It's not oh, a wow. real long standing probe. I believe it's about forty two. 
um, that are still current student athletes. The thing that I did find is that I believe every single one of the current ones is a male athlete. There were um, football, both football programs, I think both schools' wrestling programs, uh, and both schools' men's basketball programs had student athletes. And again, the University of Iowa had one full-time employee at the crux of it. Um, again, I'm not surprised of it. I'm surprised that without soliciting information, I've talked to coaches and college football staffers who have come out to me and said, I bet it's 50% of our roster. Or it's it, it said, uh, I had a coach say, um, I hope they don't come here. Our guys are in the parlays every weekend. Um, so, again, it's just it's part of campus life uh, as much as anything anymore. It's, I think, uh, a social construct now on college campuses because of how ubiquitous it is on the phone, how much it's just a part of everyday life. And I think it's definitely something that's going to have to be tackled, and it's growing more than it's receding because it's still uh, in its nascent stages, and there's still a lot of novelty to it. You can still place a $5 bet and get a $200 credit free, um, right. which is how they lure you in. Again, I think Caesars Palace has partnered maybe with LSU and some others. I think Connecticut maybe has a partnership with a casino, on and on. There's so many lines blurred, and then it's literally at the fingertips of every kid on these college campuses, and a lot of college kids now have more walking around money in their pocket, whether it's from NIL, whether it's from uh, cost of living stipends, uh, any number of things. It's just a different dynamic. So what do you think, ultimately, the, the sports fans wondering, what's the probe going to find? Is there any idea? Is this going to be minor? Is it going to be major? What are you hearing? You know, I think that um, you'll probably see some student-athletes suspended um, for various lengths of time uh, from their respective sports. Uh, again, there's no indication that any of the student-athletes currently being probed were betting on their own teams, let alone necessarily their own sports. Uh, and I was asked this morning on um, Fayetteville Radio, Little Rock Radio, what's the answer? You know, I don't know what the answer is because, um, it's going to be so hard to legislate because, again, it's legal and it's at the fingertips. And then you start getting into severe privacy issues, in my opinion, if you start trying to uh, track the phones or the IP addresses of every single on-scholarship student-athlete on these campuses. So what's, what's the cutoff line? How deep does it go? How far does it go? Um, I don't have that answer. We saw the Detroit Lions purge multiple employees and players because they bet, like, on the NBA from the facility parking lot, which the NFL doesn't even allow. And um, I don't know how college could, could get that deep to regulate um, where a kid could gamble from on campus or um, can he gamble elsewhere in, um, in other sports? Can he place or she place bets on other sports? I don't know where it goes. Hey, John, I keep it real. I don't think these schools want to know. I think these schools are urinated off at this Bohannon guy for tripping the wire because the Iowa deal is not going to be the last of it. Like, we're, we're naive if we think. If they really look into this stuff the and they really want to clean it up, which I don't know if I'd really want to clean it up if I were them because then it would cast doubt on what we're doing. It would force us to change our protocols. And Matt Dixon had a really good point yesterday, which is the NCAA saw the NIL thing coming for years, probably a decade or so, and did nothing. Did, so so it's not like they are a proactive group as a whole. Uh, they are 
reactionary, reactive, and, and slow to react at that. So I don't think they want to know, John. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think. Um, I mean, it, it's the sausage factory uh, analogy. Nobody really wants to see how uh, the sausage is made. I do think that um, these probes are probably um, to result in a, in a greater sense of urgency for transparency in the form of injury reports. I think that's the closest that can that's be come to having any sort of equalizer and, and removing some of the elements uh, that can lead itself, lead themselves uh, to preying on young student athletes who maybe have information that their friends are begging them for, or have information that they feel like could help them maybe win a five hundred dollar bet that they can give to their mom that weekend because she's visiting for the game. So again, I, I don't think there's a bunch of uh, nefarious reasons for this. I, I just think it's so um, overwhelmingly prevalent and present on every campus. So the ubiquitousness of the whole gambling deal is such that I'm going to ask you this. Vegas introduced, and I think it was DraftKings, introduced a prop on the Vols the other day at nine and a half wins on the season, which leads me to believe they have a high belief. Plus, they encourage people to bet the under, which leads me to believe what I want to believe, which is Vegas thinks. I don't know what Vegas thinks. They think the Vols are going to have a great season. I don't know. But let me throw this at you. When you talk to people, and people know that you are from East Tennessee, covered Tennessee, saw uh, some of the deep, dark years uh, here in the 2000s uh, before relocating, what do they tell you about Josh Heupel as you talk to people and about what he's done here in Knoxville? How's he viewed, John? Uh, he's viewed incredibly favorably. Uh, he's, he's viewed as a guy that pushes – uh, the envelope on the field that plays a system that's incredibly hard to defend. Um, the the only thing I hear is how long can he sustain it? Um, how long can they sustain it? Can teams adapt? Can Tennessee recruit at a level elite enough to where it's not just Josh Heifel's system, but they have the players that then can maximize his system because the SEC is the most talented in college football, I think we just saw last month with the draft for the 17th year in a row, if I'm not mistaken, 17 in a row, more draft picks from the SEC than any other league combined. As a matter of fact, I think the SEC this year had as many draft picks as like maybe the ACC and the Big 12 combined or the ACC oh. and the Pac-12 combined. The SEC had more draft picks than two other Power 5 conferences combined. And so... Um, that's it. That's Josh Heifel. People like him. People talk about him being a really good, genuine man. Uh, people talk about how difficult his offense is to defend. Um, they don't think there's a lot of complexity to it. They just think he has a system that really allows his players to make quick decisions, move at a quick tempo, and flourish in it. But the question is, um, will he be able to get the talent um, to make it successful at the SEC level for an extended period of time? John, are there future hypo copycats out there? Are we already starting to see that in the sport? I, I know Clemson's trying to do something similar. Are there other ones popping up uh, that you can see on the horizon? Yeah, I would point to, uh, frankly, a former uh, Vols GA who um, had some, some good time in Knoxville um, back in the mid-2000s and now is the offensive coordinator at SMU in Casey Woods, obviously from a very – football-centric family, but SMU 
threw up some crazy numbers last year. He was a big part of that under Rhett Lashley. Um, there's some coaches at the SDS level, the 1AA level, that absolutely are doing it. Um, Eastern Washington has had some obscene offensive production in the past couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, there are other other programs out there pushing the element, which would probably lead us to another another visit. One of the things that I was at the National uh, Director of Football Ops Conferences last week in Dallas, and um, it's player safety, it's player health, and what to do about faking injuries. And I think uh, beyond the obvious need to get a hold of, of gambling and have some transparency and figure out what to do there, I do think faking injuries um, is another prominent issue for college football because it ties into the length of games, which they're trying to curtail right now because they've gotten too long, and it also um, calls into competitive balance and competitive fairness. What are these coaches, John, when you talk to them as Sean Bryce joins footballscoop.com and Cinco jump back in uh, as you see fit, but what do these coaches think about these the rules and altering the rules in terms of a running clock and going to more of the NFL game no uh, no stoppage after first downs, etc. For the most part, they like them. I had some coaches that were very bothered by the uh, no stop clock after first downs, that they thought that would be, they thought it could potentially have one of the more profound impacts of any of the more modern recent rule changes. They believed that it would be very dramatic impact on the game. But again, they understand the games had gotten too long. Um, they're drawn out, again, by these fake injuries. They're drawn out by the prevalence of replays and challenges that now drag out too long. Every every targeting penal- penalty being it's automatically incredible. examined, every score examined. Um, and, and, again, it's maximizing revenues for these schools while trying to minimize injury time on the field. And, and the longer the game is, the tougher it is and the nfl is clockwork and the nfl knows you're going to have a one o'clock game and at 4 15 and unless something crazy happened and the game went overtime and lasted all 10 minutes of overtime that 4 15 game is always going to start on time what do you think hey, john, john, john what, ahead, um, what what are you hearing about the um you know we the ut went up to cincinnati and talked with the infractions committee and uh, then there was a wave of panic amongst you know of all fans and then that seems to have kind of gone down, and uh, we seem to be sm- uh, a little soothed that there may not be a, a bowl ban. Then you hear that Jeremy Pruitt was, you know, pretty gracious in, you know, in his talk about not wanting the current players, uh, you know, to be punished for that. What what are you hearing behind the scenes about what how this will play out? Yeah, we um, we did some really in-depth reporting on that a, a couple of weeks ago. I even think Tony uh, retweeted me on that, so uh, I appreciate yes, sir. It that. it was excellent. It was excellent, John. Uh, uh, we, we, we dove into that a lot and tried to utilize our resources very, very deeply on that. Um, I think Tennessee presented a very strong case. I think the NCAA made it clear um, in those meetings that it did retain the right to impose a postseason ban. That doesn't mean that I believe that the NCAA wants to. Um, Tennessee very much prefers the financial penalty uh, portion of that phase, which I'm told would be in the several millions of dollars, up to potentially around $8 million was the figure that uh, we heard from a couple of different people. Certainly more than $5 million in, in fines was the expectation. I think June 1st, June 2nd, that Thursday and Friday coming up next month is the target time when, when everyone involved seemed to expect that they would have finality with it. It was six weeks from the time they were breaking in Cincinnati 
uh, is what was indicated to participants as to when they would finally know. I do think that Jeremy Pruitt um, didn't didn't want any punishment on any current student athlete, but also his attorney and his defense relied upon saying, okay, well, if it's possible to believe that uh, Chancellor Dondi Plowman didn't know what was going on below her and it's her athletics pro- program because she's chancellor, and if Philip Fulmer didn't know, then why is it so impossible to believe that Jeremy Pruitt didn't know? And, and the three of us know the fallacy of trying to use that argument, but that was still, I thought, a savvy argument, especially when Tennessee um, fired Jeremy Pruitt but retired Philip Fulmer with a $937,000 golden parachute. Uh, so there was some discrepancy there. Um, but I think that Tennessee has been very proactive. All the aggrieved parties are no longer at Tennessee uh, in any of this. And I don't expect Tennessee to get a bowl ban. But, again, the, the NCAA committee made very clear that they believe that, that it was within their purview that if they deemed it necessary, they could do that. I will say, from the people I talked to, Greg Sankey had a tremendous impact on advocating on behalf of Tennessee and behalf of Tennessee not getting a postseason ban. And both Tennessee and SEC parties raised the specter of, in this era of NIL, they believed there could be a potential, um, if there was a postseason ban, that somebody could try to sue because of that, because it would be curtailing their ability to earn wages off their NIL opportunities. I think the exact phrase Sankey may have used in, in the hearing was tortious interference. John Bryce, you went A to Z on us. It's incredible. Is there anything else you'd care to add? Anything that you're currently working on that you'd like to promote that we need to look out for? And keep doing what you're doing, Brock, footballscoop.com. And by the way, would the freaking Atlanta Braves, I mean, can you guys, like, you're already, like, nine games ahead of us. Can we slow down a little bit, John? Can we, like, chill for a couple weeks and let everybody else kind of get the race in the division? Can we just slow John, down here? John, John's still ready to fire Snedeker from three years ago. Yeah, John, that, that's a take. It hasn't aged well, John. Now, hey, he's still blown more postseason series leads than championships won. Let's not forget that. He, he bowed out with commanding series leads two consecutive years before he he won a World Series, and then they fizzled as a, a higher against your Phillies last year. Um, but we don't celebrate as Braves fans. We don't celebrate first place in May. It means nothing. Um, maybe maybe that's a Philly thing. I don't know. But well, that's um, rather haughty place. of you. That's rather haughty. What's it like? What's it like to see a team streak throughout the regular season, only to come up short in the postseason? Open your mic, Brian Hartman. Open your mic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you the, know, uh, I can relate to losing to a Philly team in the postseason. The way yeah. the break yeah. is. I, I think I'm going to be able to relate to that after tomorrow night. I'll say, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this, Bryce. Last year when Acuna, Acuna let that ball roll for that inside the park home run and couldn't be bothered to run after it, that's one of the more disgraceful, and I use the term professional in parentheses here, that is one of the more disgraceful professional efforts I've seen. This side of Al Horford's 0 for 7 last night, Brian Hartman. <laughs> oh, dagger there, Tony. Um but the Braves are going to be up against it now. Kyle Wright and Max Fried on the aisle. It sounds like oh, uh, Max Fried is going to be there for quite a bit, uh, maybe into the middle of summer. Uh, so the Braves will be tested right now. Of course, they've got Quadzilla, Spencer Strider out there doing um, incredible things. And then as for a project, I'm, 
As for a project I'm working on, I do think the the uh, story that my colleague Zach Barnett and I wrote earlier this week from the DFO meetings has some really great insight, especially because we were inside the room at the SEC DFO meetings uh, where Oklahoma and Texas were present, and these schools talked about all the challenges that they're facing. Um, there's some TV dollar nuggets in that story. And then another one I'm working on is the um, mo- mo- most recent revenue figures that all the schools around college athletics have submitted. And uh, I believe for the most recent fiscal year, which was 21-22 for the data provided, I think the University of Texas showed 161, almost $162 million just in football revenue, Tony. The dollars out there are crazy. So that's one we'll have coming up. And all these people that don't want these kids to get paid, what what planet are you living on? I mean, re- I'm serious now. $160 million, and it's only, gonna, it's only going to increase as time expires. Hey, Bryce, on the way out, how long till we know who's in whom's whom's and however I'm trying to say that, what these quads are going to look like or scheduling arrangements or – uh, you know, the, the four-team uh, uh, division, not division, I don't even know what the term I'm trying to use. I guess quad is what we're going to call these things, or pod, I guess, the pod system. How long till we find out how the league is going to be divided? What do you think? What's your guess? I, I think clarity uh, will come at the end of the month, the first week of June, when the SEC spring meetings unfold in Destin, as they always do Memorial Day week. So I think that's the week where you'll hear stuff really starting to crystallize. Um, it's my understanding that an overwhelming majority of the league prefers the nine-game slate, um, that there's maybe between four and six teams that want to keep it at an eight-game conference slate. Um, but with the, the playoff expansion coming in 24 to 12 teams, there's almost no credible argument to keep it at an eight-game conference slate, especially with these 16-team member leagues where you want all your student-athletes to face to have an opportunity to play against the student-athletes from all the other institutions. Hey, Bryce, how contentious on the way out and ugly is it going to be amongst these schools as they talk about these divisions and, and breaking the league up? I don't know how contentious or ugly it's going to be because the fact of the matter is um, the SEC and the Big Ten hold all the power. And if you're not affiliated with either of those two leagues right now in college athletics and specifically college football, it's a terrifying time for all of you, but especially for campus leaders. And there are multiple ACC teams right now very dissatisfied with the ACC who want out of the ACC. There are still Pac-12 teams with wondering eyes. There's still Big 12 teams with wondering eyes. And so it can't be overly contentious because if you've got a seat at the uh, table in the SEC or the Big 12 right now, you've got the hottest ticket in town. Who are those ACC teams, John? <laughs> That may be coming in my summer reporting, Brian. Boom! Boom! John Bryce, if folks want to interact with you, how do they do so? And slow down. At John D. Bryce 1 on the, on the Twitter sphere. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship, but still got a lot of great Vols fans. Shout out Ben Vaughn, especially. Um, Jeremy Fowler, a couple of others. Um, but at John D. Bryce 1. John D. Bryce 1. You have a Dwight Gooden, my friend. Good talking to you. Boys, go brave. I'll stop it. See you, Johnny. Cinco, there is so much to talk about from our conversation with him from that whole pace of play issue in college football, the fact that Josh Heupel came into something and revolutionized it 
to the point where it's going to catch on, to the point where they know they have to speed the game up with the offenses adopting what he does because, I mean, our games take forever to play. It's and, and it's because opponents are trying to catch up with what you're doing. True. Uh, but I would, I, would, I would say this to Vols fans is that there's a difference between being an, a, an innovator and being an emulator. And people can try all they want to, to, to copy his system, but you're talking about the guy that invented the system and is constantly redoing the system and evolving the system. So it's not like it's it's not like he's got this he found this one of a kind toy and he's trying to hide it from everybody. I mean surely he's not going to go out and tell them all the inner secrets, but he's the mind and uh, behind everything. And so if if they change the rules, well that's fine. He'll adjust just like Spurrier did. It didn't it didn't matter if Spurrier was Spurrier in college, whether he was at Duke, whether he was at uh, uh, Florida, whether he was at South Carolina, that guy had an offense that you didn't want to play, and he and, yep. he, and he did it. And he did it with the funny gun down in down in um, uh, down in Florida. He went. He did it with a running game at South Carolina with you know just average quarterbacks. The guy just put up ten wins wherever he was. And that's what that's what Tennessee has. And it's crazy. It is crazy to think that that the circuitous route we went to get him, and how that's the guy that's going to bring us out of the wilderness. And how I was talking to somebody in the, in the inner uh, sanctum of him in the organization, and he was saying this guy is so unfootball coachy. He's so like comfortable in his own skin. He's so about others he's such a normal person he said does he have his faults sure we all have our faults he said but he's not a guy that needs his rear end kissed he doesn't need your praise all the time he asks you how your family is doing and means it and if you say to him hey i gotta go see a ball game or i got this recite he says go do it he's very like even keeled you know what you're going to get from him. He's just good folks. And, you know, my concern for him was going to be, is he flashy enough under the old rules, under the old way, to go out and get football players? Well, under the new way, my assessment of him early on was he would be a great pro coach. People kept saying to me, quit saying that. But what I meant by that was he treats people with res- such respect that he treats these guys like young men, which is how he treats his players, and thus they want to play for him. He's not a belittling force. He's not a divisive force. He's perfect, Sean, for the NIL era. Not only does Tennessee have a guy, and I'm not here to fluff him, but not only do they have a guy that's really bright and really ahead of the game X's and O's wise on his side of the football, but they also have a guy that's perfect for 2023 with his manner and his mentality, and his emotional intelligence. I mean, Tennessee hit a grand slam home run with this guy, Sean. I think so. I didn't see it at the time. Uh, for whatever reason, credit uh, Danny Whiten, who made those hires. I, it, it's irrelevant to me whether he was the first choice or the tenth choice. He was the right choice. 
And I did not see that at first. And, uh, but I have been proven again wrong. Uh, but, you know, he is the perfect choice and he is because look, his, he didn't have a, he didn't have a big exposure to the NFL. Uh, he wasn't uh, much of an NFL player, if at all, because of injuries. He, yep. you know, he stayed in college as a coach. Uh, his dad, you know, was a, I think a, a junior, a junior college coach, perhaps an assistant coach. So I'm not, and, and the money right now for college head coaches is, is ungodly. And so there's really no reason. I mean, it, be, before it used to be, well, if you get into the NFL, then you have that lifelong pension. You're talking about the money that this guy's eight, nine, ten million a year, buddy. If you can't, if you can, if that's not generational wealth right now, then you're ju- you're just doing something wrong. So he's a young man. Um, he seemed to be well liked in the coaching community. Uh, you know, he promotes within, which is incredible to attract the young coaches. You don't see a lot of problems at UT right now. I'm, I'm sure some will come up. Uh, he seems to get along with both donors and administration. Um, so I, I'm, if we walked around in the, in the wilderness for 40 years like we did, I'm glad we came out with Josh Heifel and wouldn't change a thing because I don't know about championships, but I do know that football – and the fall is fun again. Oh, and yeah. I do believe that money is just going to start. Well, you already look. Uh, admissions uh, admissions requests or applications, I mean, are skyrocketing for UT Knoxville right now. And it's because of the football team. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's wild how great this is going. Uh, and quite frankly, seeing my kids is, you know, like they're in their, they're in their early 20s, but seeing my kids get an opportunity to get under to LSU last year and my daughter coming back saying, man, and look like me, you know, on the road trips we used to take. And she's graduating, but these kids that are coming in right now, uh, getting the opportunity to do that, where, truthfully, we went in the wilderness where several four-year classes went years, well, without seeing a top Tennessee beat a top ten team. What was that number, Brian, when we finally beat Alabama last year? The number got to, like, what, 40? It pushed 40. It was around 38 or 39. Come crazy. And that should never be here. And it was, what, 2006 to 16 years? I mean, yeah, that should never happen here. Without a top 10 win? We're going to come back on the other side. Uh, I want to ask Sean his thoughts on the latest commitment. Uh, and if you have a thought on any of the above issues we discussed with John Bryce, it was a, a, a veritable cornucopia. But we're going to continue as we roll it back on the other side and continue right after this. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. 
At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price. Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. Right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time. 
This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. We is, uh, we is rocking in the free world here as I welcome you back. 865-200-5402. T to the P. Welcoming you back. Uh, Sean, a rather brisk, free-flowing, hour number one. Do you have any thoughts off hour number one before we get Wesley in here? via Twitter Spaces, where you can find us over at Tony Basilio on Twitter Spaces if you'd like to experience the show that way. And I've been told by people that it's quite the experience, experiencing the show that way. So, uh, Sean Sinclair, do you have anything else you'd care to add uh, before we go any further? Yeah, forgive me if this has been covered in your first two days of the week, but I want to congratulate the success that uh, a couple of former Vols are Having Drew Gilbert and uh, Jordan Beck are just apparently tearing up uh, their leagues that they're in, and uh, I believe that Gilbert just got a call up to Double A. So continued success to those two, and uh, miss them miss them very much. We do miss them very much, and we'll go back to the phones. Um, Gilbert, man, that's one that's a pocket Hercules right there. Don't mess with that guy. He, he's a bad he's a bad man. He's a bad man. Let's get Wesley in here, who joins us now on the program. Uh, Wesley, I bring you in against the backdrop that you're first factual and furious uh, in this regard. And how you doing, my friend? Welcome in. Wesley, I'm doing great. Good to talk to you. Go right ahead, my man. Uh, just tuned into the show. Uh, so if you've already touched on this, uh, I apologize. I was just going to see what your thoughts was. Uh, do you think if Tennessee finishes with a top 10 class in recruiting, that it is a failure if it's not in the top five? And then also, what is a uh, fair expectation for Tennessee fans next year, uh, win-loss record-wise? Uh, my number for next year is eight wins. Uh, Tennessee wins eight. That's a good season to me. Nine's very good. Ten's incredible. Uh, I just think the team has a lot of holes. I'll let Sean answer that momentarily. And then in terms of recruiting, Sean, I, I will let you speak to that since you share more of an expertise along with X himself. Uh, this gentleman is wondering, uh, you said again, Wesley, ask that again, you, you want a top five class, is that what you're saying? Well, that's not what I'm I'm not saying that I want, I mean, obviously I want one. But what I'm saying is if Tennessee finishes in the top ten but doesn't finish in the top five, is that considered a failure? Cinco, talk to uh, Wesley here. And, Wesley, thank you. Go ahead, Sean. No, I wouldn't think so. I think that we've seen that um, I'm not a stargazer, but they do count. Um, We have seen through the Dooley years and the Butch Jones years that we had top 10, top five classes perhaps. And they were, they were very hollow. Um, you know, kids that came in that were four stars that had some issues off the field or injuries or they were projects, et cetera. And we, we have some, uh, uh, especially on the offensive line, we've recruited some guys like that, but no, I think when you have uh, in the SEC, um, you've got Alabama and Georgia. They're going to be up there. Uh, Texas apparently now is going to be up there. LSU, uh, Florida. So, no, I don't think so. I think if you're 
if you're in that grouping, uh, then I think you just, you can be happy. Um, now, what I'm very impressed with is much like the most recent commitments is that we are starting to recruit body types that we haven't had consistently through the years. Defensive linemen that are, that are 6'5", 6'4", uh, outside rushers that are 6'5", linebackers that are taller than 6 feet tall, cornerbacks that are 6 feet tall, uh, you know, rec- uh, wide receivers. I think there's, I think Squirrel White's perhaps the only wide receiver that's, you know, under 6 feet tall right now. Most of them are 6'3 or taller. Um, I, I, I just think that's fantastic. Uh, they're starting to get uh, tight ends. I mean, almost every position that we are recruiting right now uh, looks to be the kind that, as developed, puts you in place to be a top twelve, top, you know, a playoff contending team. And and I really I think that's all you can ask for uh, without the tradition of Oklahoma. I mean, excuse me of of um, of Alabama or the Georgia, Florida, Texas, California states that just replenish talent year after year and are a lot more forgiving on recruiting mistakes because you just have just as good a guy coming in next year. What is your take, Cinco, on the, when you look at him, the defensive lineman that Tennessee just landed from Missouri? I like him. He's going to be a defensive end, not a Leo, but a defensive end. And so you have uh, you have uh, Nathan Robinson from last year, perhaps Trevor Duncan, even if he may move over to the offensive line. Uh, but you have a, you have a guy that's again six five with long arms that has a you know a Will Overstreet type motor, and no disrespect to, to Will because he was a fantastic player. But these, these guys are getting taller, and tall usually means longer arms, which gets separation away from offensive linemen, allows you to perhaps rush the passer, or disengage, and go get. A ball carrier uh, that's you know running horizontally. Um, I think it's great getting into state. Apparently, we are making a lot of hay in uh, uh, in Missouri. Perhaps Wingo, perhaps uh, Williams Nawiri, if that's how you pronounce his name. Whoever's up there is really uh, selling the brand. Obviously, Josh Heupel has a Missouri connection with his time there, and people know how exciting his offense is. But uh, I, I very much like where we are. We are, we are in the mix for a lot of five stars. If that matters to you, we won't get the majority of them. But uh, I look for this class to be high four star heavy, and that's a great starting point. And it looks like this program develops kids. At least you know the NFL draft suggests that because none of the kids that were drafted. In the first couple of days, were projected to go that high before Heupel got here. Eight six five two hundred five four zero two. If uh, you want to get in the mix and in the hunt with us, and one other thing I want to get in, uh, and that's that Georgia football. Another day, another arrest, and and this is really nothing to joke about because, I mean, they've got to get this thing. This kid. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce this kid's name, Sean, the sophomore wide receiver. D-E-N-Y-L-O-N, Denylon, I, I guess. Anyway, Denylon Morissette, a distant relative of Alanis of uh, ironic fame, from Stone Mountain, Georgia, charged with driving too fast. Here is what this guy, uh, he's a reserve wide receiver on their football team. 
Oconee County. Uh, he's pulled over, and um, he's cited for multiple things, including driver driving under the influence of drugs. Now, this is unbelievable. Here's a guy hyped up on some drugs, driving too fast for conditions, following too closely, violating his Class G restrictions for not driving between midnight and 5 a.m., arrested at 3.33 in the morning, booked at 10.10 in the morning. And, uh, I mean, what in the world is going on at Georgia? Of course, they didn't respond uh, to for comment yesterday. The guy's 19 years of age. He's out at 3.30 in the morning driving around, made 34 catches last year, uh, and he's the third member of this year's team known to be arrested in the offseason. And we're not even counting that horrendous fatal crash that happened uh, back after they were celebrating the national championship. I mean, Georgia, get it in gear You think here. that kid would have learned from that? Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that is no laughing matter. And you know what I love, Sean, is that kind of thing doesn't go on around Alabama's football program because they got that thing on lockdown, Cinco. They have everybody rowing in the same direction, Tony B. Oh, so you're telling me that kind of thing does go on there. We just don't hear about it. Is that what you're trying to say? I said they got everybody rowing in the same direction. 865-200-5402. If uh, you want to join us again, 865-200-5402. I'd love to hear from you today. We've got a lot to get into. Uh, I haven't brought up with Sean. We, We went in the first hour. Uh, and we've been talking a lot of football. Our caller asked an, a second question there. Uh, Wesley did. And the question is, Cinco, what's an expectation for you? Here we are. We're sitting here in mid-May. What's an expectation for you for the fall? Wins, losses. I, I typically don't like to do that. I haven't looked at the schedule. Um, I still think that uh, Joe Milton has some things to prove. But um, I, I, th- I believe I would take the over at, at uh, nine and a half. So I, I, I believe I would go with 10 wins. 865-200-5402. If you want to join us, we're breaking it down scientifically on a beautiful Wednesday, ladies and germs. Sean Bryce had some really interesting stuff on the um, Iowa probe. Uh, and then what that's going to lead to, who knows. The whole scheduling issue, uh, I think, is really interesting. I think that's the next big piece that's going to fall when you start talking about uh, what we're about to see to come from the SEC meeting, simply because Oklahoma and Texas are going to gather as part of the league for the first time, so they'll have representatives there. And, you know, when you think about it, they're going to, break these teams off into four team subgroups they're not divisions because you're not playing for anything uh these are just three other permanent opponents while you play a rotating wheel and it better be nine the number sean better be nine they better be playing nine league games if they don't play nine league games they are officially ripping fans off because really now that the Big Ten and the SEC have gotten theirs, they ought to play ten league games. That's really what they ought to do. But nine is nine to me, Sean, is a bare minimum. 
again, I don't like doing the, oh, oh, nine, yeah. There is no reason not to play nine. Uh, I think we all, now that you have a 12 team playoff, I think that's fair. Um, you can still play a, you can still play a couple humpties, play, uh, uh, perhaps three humpties, uh, or you, you still have room in there to play a Notre Dame, uh, you know, whomever you'd like to play. Like, uh, um, Florida plays Florida State or, uh, Clemson and South Carolina. Uh, so I, I think there's still, I, I, I think that's a good model. I, right on the money. Uh, and, and in terms of what they're going to do, obviously they're going to keep Vanderbilt and Tennessee together. And then from there, it's anybody's guess. Is it going to be South Carolina? Is it going to be Georgia? Uh, who's, who is going to be, uh, locked out on that deal? Are we going to get a piece of Missouri? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how the, th- I keep hearing Tennessee group with South Carolina. Brian, do you have a preference on, on the four team deal? Cause you know, Alabama and Vanderbilt is, are going to be two of the teams. And so from there, you're going to get one more. Do we want Kentucky? Do we want South Carolina? Brian, where are you falling? I would want either Florida or Kentucky over South Carolina. But, I mean, if you have Vanderbilt, I don't know that you could have Vanderbilt and Kentucky, too. So, I just, honestly, Florida or Kentucky would be more interesting to me than South Carolina every year. They've already, they already play South Carolina twice in basketball, home and away every year. So, I think that's enough South Carolina. What do you think, Sink? you have a preference? Yeah, I prefer Kentucky. Uh, it's a longer-lasting deal. The beer bar- barrel still uh, is in my memory. Uh, there's a lot of good hate between the two states, basketball and football, and and, and you know it's. I, I don't want to. I don't want Florida on a regular basis. I, that's that's asking for trouble. Um, you know, it's, I want two. I want two kind of assured wins there. Or sure wins, and I think that's what you get. I'm, not that I think that South Carolina, South Carolina has potential uh, over uh, Kentucky simply because the state produces more talent. And so, if I'm if I'm designing that thing, I'm going Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Alabama. Eight six five two hundred five four zero two. If you want to get in the mix and in the hunt with us on the other side, Bob Huggins, sensitivity training you talk about something that is tailor-made for oh i don't know uh reality television bob huggins sensitivity training as we continue with more on the other side right after this spread the word and get the app at tonybasilio.com for android and iphones this is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. 
You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. This is Laurie Cole, Executive Director with Pay Grace Forward. We are a community solution to predatory lending. We help people in Murray County who are trapped in payday and title loan debt. We do this through financial mentoring followed by low interest grace loans. To see if Pay Grace Forward can help you or to volunteer with our organization, please visit our website at paygraceforward.org or call 931-548-6797. Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and Friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. 
Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. Fast-paced health provides easy access to quality care close to home. The streets you live on are the streets we live on. We're part of the baseball games and Main Street parades. Your community is our community, and it's our mission to provide you with quick, convenient, and affordable health care. We're here for the injuries and illnesses, the preventative treatments, the chronic conditions, and so much more. Fast-paced health. Reserve your spot in line today. Fast-paced health is now open at 600 South James M. Kimball Boulevard. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. I'll tell you who's TC being here, and that's West Virginia, because they are that place is classic. They're classic. Bob Huggins is a nut job, always was. He's like a wild man, and he will not you you will not uh, you will not stop him. You can only hope to contain him, and. Bob Huggins, West Virginia announces, well, this is a breaking story. Uh, West, this is from 247 Sports. Mike Kazaza, who covers uh, West Virginia. West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins is set to face a punishment of suspension and an amended contract. Kazaza reports that Huggins is expected to face a three-game suspension making his return to the sidelines in Fort Myers on November 20. West Virginia is expected to announce the punishments on Wednesday. He's going to get his contract reduced by a million dollars and is also going to have to do sensitivity training. And in case you missed it, he appeared on Cincinnati Radio with Bill Cunningham, 700 WLW, and they engaged in some what we call old man talk. Uh, these days, right there on the airwaves, and and everybody was texting me like, "He's gonna get fired. He's gonna get fired." And I'm going, "He ain't gonna get fired by West Virginia." Now he might get fired by Duke, but he ain't gonna get fired by West Virginia. That's a state school. They're not firing him. But here's the thing that's funny about college sports, and always will be to me, because I believe I believe this. If that was Neil Brown. Cinco, who's been kind of a mediocre football coach for them, sort of disappointing so far in his tenure. And he went on that radio show, and he said that, Sean, he'd get fired for cause. No buyout. That's how it works. That's exactly how it works. When you can coach and you you win, when you can coach and you win, you can say whatever you want to say, wherever, whenever. You know what? Let's let's keep it real here. The, The... the deal is that everybody on earth has thoughts that come into their mind uh, that you can't. I mean, they just do. I mean, that's, that's, we all know that. Yep. You know, things you want to be critical of, things you shouldn't say. The thought comes into your mind. At this point, you've had was it uh, a couple of baseball announcers? Other people have suffered greatly for expressing those thoughts. Whether they're their true thoughts or not, I'm not here to debate them. I'm not here to put a label on them. They just made mistakes. And for him 
not to be aware of his surroundings. I, I, I don't judge a person by what they think. Uh, you know, it, it is, there's a lot of factors around there. And I don't know, and I don't think, I think a lot of people are fake these days. And I agree with one that. thing and think the other thing. So I'll I agree with that. that. I agree with that. And for political, for, for, you know, uh, corporate reasons, et cetera. Um, but he's smart enough to know you don't, you don't, whether you're on camera, off camera, on the record, off the record, you got to know you don't say those things. You know, what's ironic is this has a Cincinnati tie. Tom Brenneman thought he was off the air when he said what he said. Well, what about March? And he got fired. Whereas Bob Huggins knew he was on the air and said it twice. And he is going to, after these little hiccups, he's going to be able to keep his job. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brian. Which that's is a good kind point. of ironic. He said, it, he said it once, and then he went back for more. And they both have Cincinnati ties, because Bob Huggins was being interviewed by a Cincinnati radio show, and Tom Brenneman was the TV guy. For the Reds, doing TV for the Reds during the, the pandemic that, season. The thing that's always going to get me about cancel culture, which is why it's fake, phony, and fraudulent, is many of these people that want these people canceled talk just like these people behind closed doors. But when you're in a public square, it's easy to be a Sadducee and a Pharisee. And, and as my God told me, not look at the plank in my own eye. Say, that, that's a truth. And that's what, that's what we've become. What we've done is we've created as a society... Uh, these, these bent, these, these, um, 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 and I'm not condoning what he did. Like Sean said, it's totally stupid. I mean, it's just stupid. But if you act like people don't talk like that behind closed doors, come on now. Now you might not, but people do. And I'm not condoning it or condemning it or whatever. But everybody says, well, they're, they're so quick to, to label people. You're this, you're that. You're, we're all human. We're all afraid of people that are a little different than us. We're all a little scared. Well, another Quit, thing is, I mean, if people, if people the, the say they don't think this stuff, they're lying. Of course. You're, everybody's lying afraid of somebody different than them. Everybody's afraid of somebody different than them. It's part of the human condition. And everybody makes fun of people that are different. It's something we've done from birth. So let's. that's the thing that really gets me about well, like, uh, and it was so predictable. Dan Woken couldn't wait to get out there and go. He needs to go. He he needs. Dan, you're not perfect, Dan. Dan, I'll tell you, a guy needs to go. A guy that texts an athletic director when he's supposed to be a journalist and says, "I'll smooth over a fan base." Dan, what about that guy, Dan Woken? Does he need to go from his job? I mean, give me a break. What Bob Huggins said is totally idiotic, and truthfully. If the guy didn't win, he would get fired for that. That's keeping it real. If he was Neil Brown and he said what he said, they would have fired him. He would have been terminated so quickly, it would make your head spin. I'll give you one more. I was thinking about it off the air a second ago. If Jeremy Pruitt would have been winning 11, if he would have gone 11-1, and 11-1, and 11-1, Cinco, would we have known about his stuff? Probably not. No. The answer is no. But Tennessee did a smart thing. They said, you know what? This guy is not going to split any atoms anytime soon. We're tired of looking at him. He looked embarrassing over there on the sidelines during 2020. And we're going to run him. 
And by the way, we're not going to pay him a dime. And by the way, he's going to threaten us, and we're not going to give in to his threats. And by the way, when we go up to Cincinnati, ironically enough, you can't make this up, when we go up to Cincinnati, uh, he's going to not sing like a bird. Because if he wants to work again, we're the ones with the power, not him. We're the ones holding the cards, not him. Because that's how it would have gone. If if people say, Tony, you can't say, let me tell you something. If Jerry Pruitt would have gone 11 and 1, 11 and 1, and 11 and 1 in his three years, he'd still be over there. That's how it works. Sean, am I lying? People are not going to like me saying that, but it's the truth. The way it works. It's always the way it works. It's always been. Do you think that if a Mike Shashevsky, okay, and I said Duke earlier, but I re, I'm rethinking this. If Mike Shashevsky would have gone somewhere and gotten caught, let's say on a hot mic, saying something similar to that, Sean, would they have fired Mike Shashevsky 10 years ago? Yes or no? Uh, no? No. No way in a million years. And anybody listening to me that's in major college sports will tell you I'm telling you the truth. See, what we do in our society is we rehab the people we want to rehab and we kill the people we want to kill. And that is just the way it is. And if you are uh, in corporate America and you're a really, really talented salesperson and you get popped for some things in your personal life that are unsavory, guess what corporate America does when you're a high earner? They look the other way. Guess what they do to the guy that's kind of an average salesperson when the same thing happens to him? See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. It's the way it always Star players. It's the same kind of concept. What I'm left with, Sean, is could you imagine Bob Huggins in a sensitivity training, that look on his face, what he's going to be doing while they're up there teaching that, and then they sign the forms? Brian Hartman, do you believe for five seconds Bob Huggins is going to show up for that? I mean, I don't know what the, what West Virginia thinks, who they think they're fooling, but I'm not one of them. Bob Huggins is never I, showing up at sensitivity <laughs> training. Never. I'd love to be a fly on the wall if he did. Brian, he's ne- that guy is never. Can you imagine that guy getting in touch with his inner self, learning to be more sensitive? I mean, come on. That's so- his face when they're talking about the need to be compassionate and caring and this, that, and the other, and caring about the feelings of others. And, Bob, look in the circle here. What do you see? What do you see, Bob? When you, I, I wonder what sensitivity training is. I, I wonder what that even entails. But could you imagine Bob Huggins during that? I mean, my roan, as we say in the trade. The number is 865-200-5402 if uh, you choose to participate. And by the way, we don't have any phone calls today. I don't know what's happened. Either our phone lines have died or the show is, one or the other. Async, your thoughts on the baseball team as they move toward the Kentucky series? Because I've been told by several people on and off the air, uh, I've I've been asked by people, are you and Tony Valls fighting? Somebody asked me yesterday off the air, why are you harder on him than you are on Rick Barnes? And I've been told, because I snapped after that Georgia game on Sunday because I just couldn't take it anymore because, I don't know, that Georgia game Sunday really rubbed me the wrong way. 
But I, it's, I still say this team can still go to Omaha, which I saw Bino out yesterday. And he said to me, you really, now that we're off the air, you really don't believe that, do you? And I said, yeah, I do believe that. I believe in pitching. He said, where's our pitching? Which is a good, good question. I believe in this team, Sean. I still think they can get to Omaha. For some reason, Sean, Sunday really set me off, though, the Georgia game. Well, and I've been accused of being too hard on a guy that everybody tells me that I'm a shill for. Now, I want to know which one it is. Am I a shill or am I too hard on the guy? Oh, I don't think either. Um, I think people that say you're harder on him than Rick Barnes have a short memory. I mean, you, you ride uh, Barnes pretty hard, uh, as we all do, and most times diverse, uh, deservedly so. No, I, I do not think this team will go to Omaha, no. Uh, I, do, I do believe that they can win a number of games to get there because of pitching, uh, but I do not believe they will. No, I think this, when you look at the standings at 12 and 12, um, they could, you know, hopefully they go three and three. These next two series, anything above that would be good. Puts them over 500. But that puts them at the middle of the road of the SEC, and that's what this team is. It's a, it's a middle of the road SEC baseball team. There's respectfully nothing outstanding on this team at all. And, and frankly, giving what they have on the field, I, I think that, I think it's probably a pretty good coaching job. You know, last wow. year, last year you, last year seemingly all you had to do was roll out those, those, those just, you know, murderers row and the, the three pitchers that were on fire and just, you know, sit, sit back and take a powder. Uh, but I, I, I guarantee you Vitello is doing a heck of a lot more coaching than he did last year. Well, there's no doubt about that. And, one thing I try to do with him is stay out of his way during the year. So I have people think, oh, man, he's getting the inside scoop. And listen, I actually, I try, if I'm talking to him, I'm talking to MMA. I'm going to stay away from him because uh, I can get my baseball stuff elsewhere from different sources. But the fact of the matter remains that they've had some drama uh, around the team. And, they haven't played well. And it's been difficult, right. And they've had some guys go in and out. And they just, I don't think, listen, people say, well, are you predicting they're going to Omaha? No. What I'm saying is they're very capable of doing it. People are telling me they're not capable of doing it. That's just not true. You think they're capable of it, right, Sean? I mean, whether you think they're doing it or not, they're still very capable of it, yes or no? When you have that amount of pitching, you can do it. That's my message. That's all. They, the, the pitching is, they're absolutely loaded at pitching. If they're rested... And they can get they because they can get some timely hits here and there. Now, the big elephant in the room is: Are the games going to be on the road? Well, more than likely, a, a super regional That's right. is. That's right. That's right. And this team apparently does not handle the road well. And why would you suspect that they would handle it any better in the NCAA tournament? I I don't expect them to. So that's why I don't believe they will get to Omaha. When I was asked yesterday about, and I was on with George Plaster, and he says, well, what does Tennessee have to do to host Super Regional? My answer was win out. If they want to do that, and I mean win, 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 and win, and then maybe then you're in the conversation. 
Now, can they host a regional? Sure. Uh, if I were them, I'd go 5-1 and one in the next six games if I want to be sure I'm hosting a regional, unless I'm misreading that. Brian, for hosting purposes, what would you, uh, what would you say they'd have to do if we're talking about hosting purposes? I think four and two would definitely do it. Sixteen and fourteen, I think that could do it. And I don't know that if they went three and three, that would eliminate them from hosting because I think five hundred SEC teams have hosted. Teams that went five hundred in the conference have hosted before, at least the first weekend. I think it's kind of crazy, Sean, that the entire league can't play on the road this year. Now Brian put a graphic up today over at tclub.team, and I would encourage folks to go check out Matt Dixon's work over there today. But And, Brian, key yourself out. But it's maddening when you look at road records. Like, for instance, Vanderbilt this year is 11-1 and one at home, 6-6 six and six on the road. This is what the top of the league does, okay? Arkansas uh, is 17-7 and seven overall in the league. That's a class of the league. They're 500 on the road. They're straight 500 on the road. LSU, who some people thought was just going to roll through the league uh, and, and, and win 25 games, 22 games, whatever the n- challenge for that number at one point, they're 7-4 and four on the road, 9-3 and three at home, seven losses overall. Florida, who I consider to be, and they came up here and blasted us. Do you realize outside of that series where they blasted uh, Tennessee, outside of that series they've won four other road games? That's it. They're six and six on the road. South Carolina is six and six on the road. The best anybody is in this league is Arkansas, and they're excellent. Seven and four, or, or rather, uh, LSU, uh, seven and four on the road. Everybody else is either five hundred or well below. What gets me about Tennessee, which is weird about the Vols, and what makes them an outlier, and doesn't make any sense is if you look at the teams Tennessee's grouped with uh, as a 12 overall win team, Tennessee's 12 and 12 in the league, okay? 2 and 10 on the road. Alabama is 11 and 13 in the league. 5 and 7, they're three games better than us on the road. Auburn is a dreadful team at 11 and 13, and they're not very good. Auburn's not. 4 and 8 on the road. They're two games better than us on the road. Texas A&M can't get out of their own way at 11-13. and 13. They're 4-8 on the road. That Georgia team we saw last weekend that can only play at home, and they're only 7-5 and five at home, is they're 3-9 and nine on the road. I mean, what I'm trying to tell you is Ole Miss has three road wins. Mississippi State has three road wins. Sean, the Vols have the worst road record in the league. It doesn't make any sense. Missouri actually is 1-11. They're the only oh, team. Oh, Missouri, uh, yeah. uh, we don't count them. Missouri's 1-11, yeah. yeah. Of course, the Vols got swept up there. That was yeah, three of their yeah. losses. Well, that's, even, that's even more disgusting. But the, all their pitchers got hurt. I can't, I can't speak to those records. Uh, what I can say about Tennessee is, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my eyes tell me that this is not a very good defensive team. And if you don't have your defense, and I'm not talking about, you know, being Ozzie Smith out there or everyone having a golden glove, but when you don't, when you can't make routine plays, that's, that's going to kill you on the road. I mean, it kills you at home, but it, it's certainly going to kill you on the road. You have no chance of winning when you cannot manage 
routine ground balls. And our our infield is challenged, let's just say. I, said, I told Evan Russell a couple days ago that it's to the point with me where when a routine ball is hit at somebody, I'm like over there holding my breath, Sean. And I don't think, I, I would imagine Tony feels the same way. I'd imagine that's not an overreaction, is it? Literally no, holding I, my I, breath I on routine plays. Right gloves on at times. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it, again, love the kids. Um, and, what, you know, we had a situation where, you know, a, a young man had, had booted two balls. He got lucky, in my opinion, uh, that one was called a hit. But they, it, you, just, you, you have to make the routine play 100% of the time. I watch, What's interesting is I, I'm just amazed because I don't watch much Major League Baseball, but I do watch the Braves uh, highlights the next day. And watching, and I know they're professionals versus kids. I get that. But watching professionals is just so much different. And it should be. But it shouldn't be that different. The top of the, the, the top of the pecking order in college should resemble, you know, double A in my opinion. I mean, maybe I'm a fool for that, but it shouldn't be just glaring differences in defensive ability on routine plays. Yeah, and I've had a dispute, you know, with one of our callers, Freddie, Freddie Jack. In my opinion, it would be very difficult mentally to pitch behind that Tennessee baseball team. He wants to blame the pitchers. And I think the fielding and the pitching is so tied in with each other. Beam the other day gets a first out in the inning. Is the inning different? Well, the next guy up doesn't hit a two-run home run. I know that. And then the next ground ball. Because Georgia was doing this thing the other day, and I was listening to John Wilkerson for a while, and he was commenting on this. Georgia was doing this deal the other day where they would they would get a, have a guy reach and then have an out. Have a guy reach, have an out. Have a guy reach, have an out. Or they started the game with a home run, next guy makes an out. Next guy gets a hit, next guy makes an out. Next guy gets a hit, next guy makes It's 2 nothing. And, and so from my mind that... It just stands to reason that if I'm a pitcher and I know that that's what's playing behind me, I'm going to try and be extra, extra fine. I'm going to miss my spots. I'm going to pitch distracted. It cannot be fun pitching behind that infield. And the outfield, for the most part, Sean, the outfield has really improved as the year has gone along. But that poor infield, I mean, that is a, you talk about a tough watch. That is a tough watch. And, and, and you are right. You know, when you're, when you're watching Major League Baseball, obviously those guys are the best of the best with the best hands and the best reflexes, and they're drilled and they're coached and they're taught and they're refined. But, man, I mean, those two plays at second base the other day were like, um, I don't know, high school ball? I mean, you got to make those plays. Yeah, I'm not talking about. I am not talking about in the major leagues. You know, uh, you know, being Gold Glovers. I'm, I'm talking about average. You know, routine. And, and most of these places are turf that you practice on. I, I just don't get it. Another thing, yeah. but I, you know, the pitchers can the pitchers can complain all they want. But the only thing worse than that is is holding runners on base. I mean, you can only blame. The catcher so many times. 
I mean, it is. I don't think they're allowed. Absolutely Sean. a free pass when you get on first base against Tennessee, and it has been like that for a few years. Yeah, I don't think they're encouraged to uh, to hold and, guys and that's on okay, there. But, yeah. but it, but when you got is there a big difference between a guy on first and a guy on second? Well. And Matt Dixon thinks that Kentucky, if he's setting the number this weekend at sixteen and a half, I don't know what the record is for steals in a in a in a three game series, but whatever that number is, if Tennessee's pitchers have trouble commanding the ball, in other words, if there's traffic, and we walk some guys, or 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 Kentucky has guys that are able to get on base, they will challenge that number this weekend. And I don't think it's I don't think it's a reflection of the catching either. I just think it's philosophy, and it's two philosophies. It's their philosophy that they're going to run every chance they get. Everybody in their on their team's going to run, and our philosophy is we're going to pitch to the batter and let you have the base essentially. Now I don't I disagree with that. I I don't I don't know why at every level of baseball we hold guys on, but we're not going to hold them on here. But you know what? Sean, I can't argue with it because it's been super successful in terms of the results they've gotten on the field. It's been super successful. I mean, these guys have won at a really high clip approaching the sport that way. But that is how they're doing it. That is what they're doing. I mean, it'd be real easy to blame the catchers or the pitchers with the. Mo- I just don't think. I just don't think philosophically that's baked into what we're doing here, and that's you know it's part of it. It's a results deal. Uh, I was told by somebody when we were critical of this, we're talking about this the other day, go back and watch last weekend how many runs scored because Tennessee let guys run to second base. And I was told the answer is none. Now, I didn't research it. Brian, your brain is a lot sharper than mine is. And, Sean, your brain certainly a lot sharper than mine since you have DR in front of your uh, your name. But don't make, I was don't make told assumption. I was told that no runs, no runs scored because of their philosophy. Now, by somebody who was basically tracking it and scoring it, uh, who said, you know, look, I appreciate the conversation, Tony. And by the way, it wasn't somebody inside Tony's deal. It wasn't somebody from Tennessee telling me this. So um, is that right? And, and, and furthermore, I was told, you know, guys, you know, Tony, um, it's a great something or other for you guys to talk about on the air. And, and Kentucky is going to score, or they are going to run a lot. But how many runs is it going to result in? So there is that, Sean. There, there, I, and I'm certainly open to the fact that maybe it's not as injurious as it is insulting, but it is very hard to watch that, Sean. I, I will give you that. But maybe it's not as injurious as it is insulting, but it sure is insulting to sit there and watch your opponent just take bases like like it's like they're taking candy from you. Well, I, I certainly was glad to see um, us throw one out this past week. I hadn't seen that in a couple of years. Um, but, but, well, take a look. You said the <laughs> pitchers have to be a little edgy with the inconsistent infield. Would you like, how'd you like to be an infielder? And know that a guy gets on first, say he walks, say he gets a single, he's going to second, a bunt, and now you got a guy on third. And now maybe you have to play up where you can play back. You know, we got, there's nothing, there, 
you can't count on anything on this infield. Again, they're a billion times better than I ever thought of being. I'm just talking relative to the league, relative to college baseball, we seem to make more errors than we're used to seeing. Well, and, and the other thing with the whole errors deal is that the, the crew the other day was doing the game, and they said, and this is a great assumption, okay, when you're watching Tennessee or you're looking at Tennessee from 10,000 feet, they're second to last in the league in double plays turned. Now, Sean, that doesn't surprise me. Does that surprise you? Uh, no. The reason that they gave is because um, uh, Tennessee strikes so many people out, they just don't have opportunities. And the reason I give for that is that if you're on first, you're on second. How many force plays are there? How many runners that reach first are going to stay there? I mean, think about that. Uh, the answer is not many. And then the balls, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say this, the balls that are hit cleanly in our infield, I'm I'm happy when we get an out. The other day when we turned that double play down there, I was like, wow. I mean, how many double plays in league play, guys, do you think we've we've turned? What, what do you guys think the number is? We've played, what, 24 league games. Brian, what would you guess that number is off the top of it's your head? Probably under ten. It's got to be under way under ten, right? Well, I even mean, our shortstop, I I really thought there, there's not one player on the infield, including the catcher, that. And I look, I know Maui Ahuna has some big a big reputation, but he doesn't play shortstop like Cortland Lawson did. You know, with our second baseman, that's no. an advantage. I still think he's an outfielder. I mean, I'm no, I'm no manager, but uh, he's not a middle infielder in my book. And I, and I, re- you know, I, I believe, I believe double plays and a lot of other errors would have been covered up by Luke Lipsius at first base. Well, that's so, right. So that's the, exactly the, right. The, the the spotlight goes all around to to everybody there. So, and when you have a guy uh, over there at first that's kind of a backstop for you, and, and by the way, I don't think Burke is, like, dreadful at first. I mean, let me tell you this. You talk about Major League Baseball before. Reese Hoskins is a dreadful first baseman. Uh, when he played for the Phillies, he's dreadful. Now, he go out there and hit you 30 home runs and knock in 90 runs a year, which is why he's remained in the big leagues. But fielding his position... He's dreadful. I'm telling you, Burke is Burke's better than him in the field, if that tells you anything. Now, Bino seems to think with him that the struggles defensively have led to what's happened to him offensively. Boy, he's mysterious. Sean, imagine this. Imagine a world where he hits the ball, gets hot, and you get a little bit of pitching. You can go through two regions – like a hot knife through butter, if that happens. Well, he's going to have to figure out the breaking ball. Oh, no doubt about it. But imagine, imagine the lights coming on for him and what we would see. Let's get Taylor in here. Taylor, welcome in. Hello, T. Well, it cut him off. Oh, that's what's going on. Okay, so we're having phone activity. We're having phone issues. Okay, that's, that explains that. 
four to play here uh, on the programma. Cinco, what do you expect from this Kentucky series? Kentucky is the number one RPI team in baseball, in college baseball, which is bizarre. You talk about a bizarre stat, that was not on my Cinco card. What do you expect, well, Sean, this weekend from the Vols versus this really tested Kentucky team and pretty good Kentucky team? Well, I'd like to return the favor that they gave us last last year. If we, you know, I'd like to win the series. I've got a, I've got a, a Kentucky fan friend coming down uh, to watch the game this weekend, and uh, uh, so uh, and shout out to all the nurses for Happy Nurse Week. Uh, we all appreciate you. But if we can win two or three. Uh, I'll, I'll be more than happy. More than happy. Oh, Nurse Week. What a wonderful profession that is. And what a difficult, thankless profession that is, uh, nursing. But, Guy, you talk about serving other people, being heroes among us. God bless the nurses, man. We, we, need, we need to put our arms around and love on our nurses. So I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Cinco. Uh, Brian Hartman tonight in the association. Are the Hollywood Fakers going right to that next round? Are they doing it in five games? Are they going to name their tune in five notes, Brian? Uh, now i got to talk about the Lakers, and I'm going to really get ill. The answer is yes. I mean, okay. physically ill about that. It's, it is, it is it's, unbelievable. It'll be Denver Nuggets for me. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram thanks St. Jude Children's Hospital for their admirable work. We are committing to their cause of providing quality care to families in need at no cost to them by donating $150 for every new vehicle sold. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is proud to partner with St. Jude for the fourth consecutive year. If you are currently in the market for a new vehicle, visit the team in-store or shop online at Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia.net to help families protect what matters most. You can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. 
Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Spring is here and we are ready. We carry a full line of steel, echo, and chandala yard equipment. We also have a great selection of grass seed, fertilizer, and garden supplies. With the most knowledgeable sales staff in Southern Middle Tennessee, come check us out at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Coach, baseball is back, and WKRM 103.7 is excited to bring you coverage and sponsorship options for this 2023 season. That's right, Taff, and this year our advertising partners had the option to sponsor our live Little League coverage, Atlanta Braves coverage, or a combo package that carry both of them. This area loves baseball, and what a great way to support the community by helping us bring coverage of our Little League, but also taking a moment to promote local businesses. People are crazy about the Atlanta Braves. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's something special and timeless about baseball radio broadcast. There sure is. So visit Front Porch Radio TN and click on the blue Advertise With Us button for more information about how your company can sponsor baseball of all kinds this season with WKRM. Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time. There are a lot of fun days in May. 
There's Cinco de Mayo. There's May the 4th be with you. There's No Socks Day. What? May all your days be winners this month with the all-new Instant Games. They feature top prizes up to $200,000 and are waiting for you at your nearest Tennessee Lottery retailer. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. The Tennessee Lottery congratulates this year's graduates from all the colleges and universities across the state. Your achievements set the stage for a brighter tomorrow. We're happy to have helped along the way by raising more than $6.8 million for education and funding over 1.9 million scholarships and grants, including Hope Scholarships, Tennessee Promise, and much more. Visit DionLottery.com to see how our proceeds support successful futures. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.